Hey everybody, this is Matt and Nicole. On this episode of After the Kid Goes Down, we're going to watch Big Trouble in Little China. Let's go! Why are you laughing? Because I was banking on you saying that wrong. Big trouble, little but, China. That's what you, I wanted to say. You practiced it way too many times. Like we walked down here, and I was like, "He's gonna butcher the title of this film," but but I didn't. You didn't. You did a great job. I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. So, what do you know about this movie? Not. I mean, not all that much. Kurt Russell's in it. Kim Cattrall's in it. Kim Cattrall's in it. Yeah, is she from she's the Sex and the City lady. Yes, okay. she looks like a baby. I mean, they all. I mean, it's what is in eighties. I think it's from the eighties, maybe. I would assume so. So it comes to us from our one of our listener listeners, Polly Paycheck. And when I posted the coming soon ATKGD, we got like a lot of responses, and everyone is like super excited about this movie, and says it's like one of their favorite movies, one of their favorite movies to quote. Um, 1986, by the way. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone seems really down with this film. I gotta say, like though... Like, everybody liked it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Looking up photos for the coming soon picture on Instagram... Yeah. Like, it looks like it could be kind of problematic. Why? So, I'm wondering if it holds up. It's about, like, this truck driver who... Has some kind of adventure in Little China. Okay. And, like, I mean, if you look at our picture on Instagram right now, the women look like they're dressed not really like geishas, but, like, wearing, like, like culturally appropriating clothing. Are they Asian ladies? Huh? Are they Asian ladies? No, Kim Cattrall. Oh. Okay. And, uh... Maybe she's in disguise. I don't know. Maybe it's not problematic. One one person That's said that... That's way to judge until it, yeah. we watch. I know. One person said what? That it, like, subverts the white savior trope or something like that. I'll read it when we actually review. But, yeah. So, I mean, it could be it could be good. I'm just looking at these pictures and I'm like, ooh, I hope this holds up. Because sometimes films from the 80s... Yeah, a lot of stuff from the 70s and 80s seems a little... But yeah. the response for it has just been... Like it's beloved, so... Oh, maybe it's problematic and beloved. Okay. It can be both? It can be both. Mm-hmm. Du- dualism. So you know nothing? I know absolutely nothing about this movie. I'm surprised. <laughs> I would have thought this would be one that you'd seen. Well, A, Kurt Russell's uh, an actor that I've seen shockingly little of... I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Have you ever seen Overboard? If you've no. never seen Overboard, oh my God. There's a lot of Kurt Russell What's movies I haven't you? seen. Um, and there's a lot of movies in the 80s, classic 80s films, and I don't know why, but I never watched. I was never a kid that watched, like, your, older were, movies. Were your parents just not into, like, that decade? I mean, I don't know. The, the thing about the 80s and the 90s is there's a lot of dumb action movies in those two decades. Mm-hmm. Those are, like, the decades of the dumb action movie. And What are you talking about? Speed is great. <laughs> These are. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's what they did. Both my parents 
though they would never admit it, I think are closet, not movie snobs, but they like good film, even though my dad loves the Deadpool movies. So they weren't, they were never eager to show me these type of films. They showed me like Jaws. Like, they showed we, me. Well, they we did watch? show me. My father was a my father was a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. So we watched Total Recall. We watched Terminator. We watched all those at a young age. But he was never. I never got shown as a kid the eighties. Like I've never seen even like things like The Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's crazy to me. I've, I've never seen, seen that. Club. I've never seen Point Break. Oh, Point Break is um, actually that might be on the list. I don't remember. And that's but that's Point probably what, so early nineties. I mean, I, that whole era, though, I, there's a lot of holes in my film-watching experience. Um, I, I would say what I did watch from the 80s were a lot of horror movies, but it was just ne- never something I was shown, never something that was pushed on me, never something my my friends were never into it. I mean, I was also a kid that grew up, and my my friends growing up were, we watched like a lot of Godzilla films. Like, I think I, I've seen every Godzilla movie. So I don't know. It was like the one genre, for whatever reason, genre and decades that I just never tapped into. The theme for season three is going to be 80s, cheesy And 80s early films. 90s. I watched a lot of Speed. I remember watching Speed a lot. The Fugitive. But again, no, I mean, The Fugitive. The Fugitive in the 90s? It might be in the 90s. What's that mean? It's like mid to early 80s action hero stuff. I just, if it wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger, I probably didn't see it. I'm sorry. Have you seen The Goonies? Yes, I've seen the Goonies. Okay, I watch the Goonies a lot. Like almost so much show where that VHS tape is almost doesn't work. Well, that's the appropriate amount of times. But to that watch was the like Goonies. a coming of age. This like machismo action movie, which I think Kurt Russell was in a lot of it. This because it wasn't Escape from New York, one of those like Escape from L.A. Like these were not movies I ever was told to watch, went on my way to watch, or had any interest in watching. Well. Polly Paycheck says it is legit his favorite movie of all time. And okay. he has, I mean, he's interacted with a lot of our posts and episodes. And, you know, he's got, he's got quality, quality shit to say. Uh, so, I don't know. I guess I trust his opinion. Yeah. I don't I mean, know why at not? all, but. Well, it's always good to watch things outside of our comfort zone and things we haven't seen before. Plus, Kurt Russell, like, can still get it. So. Can he? Bro. The Christmas Chronicles. He's like the hottest Santa I've ever seen. Oh, weird. Why is that weird? I don't know. Hot Santa's like <laughs> words that shouldn't be together. Uh, like that's no, odd. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Is it? <laughs> it's fine when it's Kurt Russell. He's a hot Santa. Oh my god! Doesn't he have like a rock song in that one movie? I think he does. Yeah. <laughs> Are you into uh, Santa? No, I'm into Kurt Russell. What else do you find him attractive in? Everything. Really? The only thing I don't find him attractive in is Guardians of the is it Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, yeah, the second one. Because they do that whole like face changing garbage with him. <laughs> that makes you so irrationally angry. Because it's just like enough. Um you've also never seen the thing. No. That's one of his best films that I've seen, even though I've seen like three of them. <laughs> you've gotta see the thing. That's a sci fi classic. You've never seen like isn't Captain Ron him? You've never seen that? Nope. What is it about him that you find so attractive? Look at him. That doesn't help. Look at him. Just saying it again doesn't help. I will post this picture for everybody. He's got a patch and sunscreen on his nose. Oh, he's Captain Ron. 
He's hot. I don't know. Okay. He's got a great body. He's I'm got just, a great I'm always face interested he, to see what what women think is is, is hot because it's always different. And like he moves so much. The, the, the goalposts move. No, he's got charisma, and then the fact that like, I mean, it just like it adds to it that he's been with Goldie Hawn for so long that okay. both Oliver Hudson and Kate Hudson both like consider him their dad, even though he's not like. I don't know. He's just like, he seems like a sweet man. Who's also sexy. Who's also hot as hell. So yeah. it's like double whammy. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. Hot. In Hollywood, you don't get those combos very often, mm-hmm. I guess. And especially, somebody, especially a man who's like been with their wife. As, I mean, they're not married, but like been with, he's been yeah. with Goldie Hawn forever. Okay. That's fair. And like, he was so excited to do Christmas Chronicles 2 with her. Oh, so cute. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to watch yeah, I can't this? wait to watch this with you. We're going to be making noises the entire time. <laughs> Probably. Ugh. Let's do it. Okay. Big Trouble in Little China. Released in 1986. Currently available to rent on Amazon Prime. Directed by John Carpenter. Written by David Weinstein and Gary Goldman. Starring. Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall, Dennis Dunn, James Hong, and Victor Wong. When trucker Jack Burton agreed to take his friend Wang Chi to pick up his fiancée at the airport, he never expected to get involved in a supernatural battle between good and evil. Wang's fiancée has emerald green eyes, which makes her a perfect target for immortal sorcerer Lo Pan and his three invincible cronies. Lo Pan must marry a girl with green eyes so that he can regain his physical form. All right. So we finished Big Trouble in Little China. You did it. I did it. You got it right. Um, I've cracked open a fresh mixed breed. Again, I think I drank Glaces out last time and drinking it again. And for those of you that listen, know that we do drink their stuff a lot. And if you have any time, swing by the brewery. It's in Gilwin. Um, the address, Center. Gildland Center. Excuse me. Um, if you mention our podcast, you get 5% off your bill. They're good people there. They experiment with beer. They try new stuff. They always have events year long. Uh, obviously whenever they have an event, we'll let you guys know, but swing in there. Tell us you listen to, tell them, don't tell us you listen to us. We know you listen to us. Tell them that you listen to us. (laughs) Mention the podcast. And they'll give you some uh, discount. So. so good there. What? It's so good there. It is good there. I love it. No, I really do. <laughs> no, we do. It's, it, <laughs> a, it's really very do. close to our house, which makes it very convenient. Yeah. But B, there's a couple other breweries in the area, and these guys just, I know. Besides He's the beer. They do the community. Yeah. He, they they we do live a in lot. The 518. We love it here. Yeah. They support a lot of local things. Uh, a lot. Of, they support a lot of veteran organizations. And they just do a lot of cool events, whether it's the kegs and eggs they had recently or whether it's, I don't know, they do, I think they do Oktoberfest, they do like a SummerSlam thing. So they're not just a brewery that pumps out IPAs, which is cool. Yeah. So big trouble in little China. What are your thoughts? (laughs) What are your thoughts? You thought he was so cute, didn't you? Well, it was interesting because, you know... Before watching it, I said I hadn't seen a lot of his stuff, Kurt Russell. He's not, but the character is a much bigger buffoon than I thought he would be. Yeah. I assumed he'd be like your typical action star, 
and he's not, which no, I, I thought, thought was, was interesting. I thought that was great. Like this, the whole movie was like not at all what I expected, because he was yeah he was a big buffoon. I mean he ends up like at the end winning the day, but the whole time he might as well not even be there. Like that, it's like the joke. Yeah, in the big climactic fight scene, he knocks himself out before it starts. <laughs> like in every instance, they're like. Jack Burton, like, make sure Jack Burton's there. But, like, he really serves, like, they're the ones that actually get them through everything. Yeah. Not Jack Burton. Like, he does not even need well, not to be even, there. Not even they are. And, uh, you know, this was on purpose by Carpenter, but the sidekick, what's his name, Wang? The sidekick's name? Sure. Wang Chi. Yeah. Is really the hero of the yeah. of the film. Yeah. He, he has all the badass fight moves. He saves every scene. He knows where to go. Um, he's in the sidekick role, but he's not the sidekick. And Carpenter, John Carpenter, the director, has said that, that like ultimately he wanted to make a movie where the sidekick, like in any other Hollywood stereotypical version of this film, he's like the comic relief, short round type of character. Yeah. And instead, he's like, what if I make the American macho man the doofus? <laughs> And made this sidekick the dude. And they do it. And they play into it. And it's funny. Like, I laughed out loud several times in this movie, which I wasn't anticipating. Yeah. Like, his character I liked. I enjoyed that. Um, so did I. I mean, I think that's a hell of a commentary, though, too. Like, yeah, you're following the Western guy as, like, the, the hero of the story. And you expect to. But really, he's he's not. Well... And apparently what happened was the the company, right, this was one of Carpenter's big, big film studio films, didn't understand. The studio execs didn't understand what he was doing with him, with Kurt Russell's character. They, like, didn't like it. They, like, kind of liked it, but weren't really sure. So they, the whole opening scene, they told Carpenter to put in because they wanted Jack to be more of a hero hero. Oh, really? So Carpenter wrote that scene, and they the, filmed it. Like, the whole, like, card scene? The whole... Or no, him, no, no, no. The him whole, talking in the truck? No, no, no. The opening one with uh, Egg there, Egg Shin, or whatever his name is, in the lawyer's office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, okay, and when he's he, like, Jack saved us all. Yeah, you Jack saved alone. us all. Yeah, yeah, that, that whole yeah. bit. Because really, they never come back to that moment. You're not really sure why that moment's there. It's not like the movie comes full circle and you end up back in the lawyer's office. So he, they they made him write that scene to to set up that Jack was a hero. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Well, he's really not. But he's charismatic as hell. Doesn't he make doesn't Kurt Russell make you want to watch him and more stuff? Are you in love with him? Say yes. Yeah, no, I mean like I said, I like I like him. I mean it, it was it, I, I I guess I get the attraction now. My favorite line, my favorite line is, is like a callback from when um, Kim Cattrall, who played who played a lawyer named Gracie Law. Yeah, who again? They also, by the way, didn't want. They want no. They wanted some uh, like like rock star ladies, or they wanted some more. She was she was coming off of a bunch of like uh, raunchy comedies, like I think Porky's was right before this, and she wasn't the type of actress they wanted. So before I'm sorry, I cut you off. Okay. But before we you get into that, the reason there were all these type of moments making this film, it was a film that was designed to compete. All what type of moments? 
like every like 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 the buffoon hero and these studio uh, okay, execs okay. saying no and him and Carpenter wanting Kim Cattrall but them was saying no. The whole point of the film was it was supposed to compete with a big blockbuster Eddie Murphy film called uh, The Golden Child, which was coming out at the same time. And so the studio execs, you know how you always see that there's like Armageddon and then what was the other asteroid one? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's always two of those movies coming yeah. out. This was that type of situation. The Eddie Murphy movie was coming out. This film studio wanted to produce their big action blockbuster that involved Asian mysticism. And so they that's why they wanted big names instead of Kim Cattrall. That's why they didn't even want Kurt Russell. They wanted like Clint Eastwood. Like they wanted they wanted it to be the Macho Man blockbuster action film and John Carpenter made this movie instead. <laughs> They, they okay. even they even they even hired him because he's kind of an independent wacky film director, and they want they rushed the filming. They told him you, get, you only got ten weeks of pre production, so you got ten weeks to set up the film. Because they I guess they must have gotten the film late, or they they were like it's got to get out within a couple weeks of the Eddie Murphy movie. So they hired him thinking he'll get it done quickly, and he did. But like they hired John fucking Carpenter, and this is the movie that John Carpenter. You know when you tell him do big blo- action blockbuster, this is what you get. What I'm loving the most right now is that you, like, really read Ari's research. Like, you got, like, really into the background for this Not movie. only that, but the background is movies everywhere. And, and I, w- I was interested because it's kind of a not a John Carpenter film. Like, John Carpenter films are usually, like, you know, you got, you got Halloween, They Live, The Thing. There's a lot of movies after this that are like B-rate sci-fi horror films. Like, and then you have this. So it just seems out of place in his filmography. So I read, I, I did, I read a bunch about it, and it's that's essentially what it was. And it got crushed in the box office. Like, this is a typical story you hear in Hollywood where it didn't do well at the time it came out. It got like a 74% of Rotten Tomatoes. It made, I think, a lost money in the box office. It happened to be... Rotten re- Tomatoes was around then? No, but right now, what I'm saying is 74%. Okay, and okay. they still compile old reviews. So it didn't get really critically well-reviewed, um, which we'll talk about that later. But it, it lost a lot of money. It came out, I guess, within weeks of Aliens, the second Alien film coming, in, coming out. So that probably hurt it. And because of all that, and then because of the critical response it got, John Carpenter essentially went, fuck this, I'm going back to independent B-rate films. And <laughs> never made another big Hollywood blockbuster again. Not wow. be- he loves the movie. Like he takes pride in this movie. Him and Kurt Russell still do commentaries on it. Like, but the reaction to it, I guess, was a big turnoff for Carpenter and like Hollywood. Like he was like, ah, fuck that. This is very exciting to sit here and listen to. Sorry. <laughs> no, it was really good. It was very. Carpenter's interesting. interesting to me. He also does all of his own music, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and he did for this film too. So what were you gonna say? Sorry. So, but I mean, I guess could they have ever anticipated that it would be this much of like a cult classic? I guess. Probably not. So, what did you like it? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It's enjoyable. Yes. I never got to say my favorite line, but go that's ahead. Okay. What's, what's your favorite? I mean, line? it would have involved a whole story. So no, it's, go. It's, now's your chance. I'll it, turn the mic over. When Kim Cattrall says she can't, she would go in first into the place, but she can't because they might recognize her face. And then, like twenty minutes later, she's she says the same thing. I, I would go, but... And he goes, yeah, I know. There's something wrong with your face. Just the way he <laughs> delivers it. But I guess you have to watch it. He has a bunch of those type of lines. He's, he's just... Oh, he's just amazing. I'll be honest. like I don't really get the cult following of it. Why? It's fun. 
It's fun. I mean, but I there's like you know what it is. It's like it's a movie that like if if we still had cable, and it was on TNT and we were surfing, I'd stop and watch it. It's that film. Yeah. You know. So I mean, here let me just read because we got well we got a few, but so Polly Paycheck was the one who uh, recommended this movie. It's no joke, my favorite movie of all time. Event Pop. I really hope uh, you know. I'm he comments on like every episode, and I have no idea how to say his. Uh, uh, name here, we will find out. It's, it's Morgan, but uh, a brilliant subversion of white savior tropes that uh, that's also funny. Pure Carpenter greatness. Um, Reanimator said it's not without its problems, but since it's a fave from my teen years, I still and will always adore this one. Um, we s- drop some of the lines from this around our house, including two girls with green eyes. Um, <laughs> Did you think we were going to be in and out like the wind? Well, yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Their relationship uh, was hilarious. Um, and Grossface said classic. So, I mean, and then like the like not even people dropping reviews, but we had like a lot of chatter on this one and like people that were excited to that we were watching it and that want to listen to this episode. So it's like, yeah, it's probably one of the biggest, most excited responses I've gotten for one of those posts. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call... I mean, I guess it is classic. And 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 there's a little bit here of... I, I do agree, because Carpenter said it, that he was subverting certain tropes and things like that. And I get it. But I think my, now my problem with it is... Yeah, my problem with it is that there's nothing in it, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, that, like, grips me... Like the action's not very good, and I know Carpenter has said that he that they they worked a lot in the action, a lot of choreography. He did every, you know, martial arts film trick he could, filming scenes scenes backwards using trampolines, the whole nine. But it was I maybe it's because I was expecting a different type of movie, but it's so wacky. I wasn't expecting a wacky film. But it's not. I mean, the but the fight scenes are not though. Only the scenes with Kurt Russell in them are wacky. And then you've got all of this, like, amazing kung fu happening in the background. Yeah, but I guess I, I guess maybe I'm such a modern-day kung fu action person that, like... Yeah, but that... It came across... And again, I've also... I was thinking, I was thinking this when I watched it. I was thinking, I bet martial art fans love this film even more so. I don't watch a lot of martial art films. Like, I don't think I've ever seen... Like, he wanted Jackie Chan to play the sidekick. Like, and he, Carpenter had said he wanted to do a martial art film, and that's what he did. I've never seen any, anything. Like, I don't think I've seen any Bruce Lee. Like, yeah. It was enjoyable, but it was so nuts that I was a little bit like, I guess I was taken back. I think, I think this is a movie that probably is more enjoyable every time you watch it. And sometimes there's those films. And you get, you, I think you get that a lot with some quirky comedies where, like, when you know the line's coming, you laugh harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Airplane, like, that's for me. The first time I watched Airplane, I was like, this movie's weird. And then every time I watch it after it, it gets funnier and funnier. And I think this might be the same type of movie. I think I'm going to have to watch it again and, like, know what I'm getting into. I, I, was would, expecting... I would definitely watch this again. Would you? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I would definitely watch it again. But I, I didn't get done with this film and go, oh, man classic carpenter like to me there's so many better john carpenter films but like i guess uh, you know we're we're seeing it like 30 years 
too late or something like yeah is there something to you know it's kind of like well Goonies is amazing but you know you grow up with like a, a certain feeling about a certain movie and it just kind of becomes bigger than it actually is yeah I mean there's there's a lot of things in this movie it reminded me kind of like a wackier Indiana Jones type of feel to it yeah than it did I was expecting a martial arts action blockbuster so I guess it just didn't meet those expectations. I don't understand what you're talking about, though, because I thought it had plenty of martial arts, and I thought that it, like, employed all of, like, the martial arts-type tropes perfectly. It did, but maybe I'm just not a martial arts person. I don't know. The thing, like, I, I, don't I fell asleep during Hidden, ever Hidden seen... Tiger, Crouching Dragon, or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> I, I literally fell asleep during that film. I feel like now we need to see some Jackie Chan, because I haven't either, so I don't know where I'm getting this from, but I thought that it, <laughs> I thought it did it really well. well. We're both huge fans of Kill Bill. Which has yeah. huge influences from that genre. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, I guess in my perfect world, I would have liked it to... I would have liked there to be a little more... Like, when he's sucking the stuff out of... Like, he has the needle in her in her wrist. No part of me was like, is she going to make it? And then, like, when he, when he kills Lil Pan, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And, okay. I, and, and, I, and I don't know if that's, that's the point. I don't want to say I don't get the hype because I do. I think I think it's a master. I think it's a well designed film by Carpenter. Like he clearly had a plan, he clearly had a vision, and I think he executed it very well. I just wasn't. Maybe it's too old for me. I I just I I don't know. Okay. Like Kurt Russell to me made the movie. If there's a lesser actor in that role, or if it's not Kurt Russell in that role, I think this movie is just. Dumb. Yeah, imagine Clint Eastwood in this role. That's what I mean. And I'm glad Carpenter stuck to his guns, but but like I said, I think it's a movie that's probably you have to go into it knowing this is a dumb on purpose type of film. Are you like on board though for like more Kurt Russell? Like are we gonna watch yes. Captain Run? Yes. And all of the ones that we mentioned in the expectations. Yes. Oh you know what you know what it was? Yeah, yes to all that. You know what, <laughs> what what moment I think really pulled me out of the film and maybe from that point on I had a hard time getting back into it was the whole two gang war early on when they're sitting in the truck. That's like the first like t- 10 minutes of the movie. I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think I think that sequence, I had a lot of moments in my head going, what is going on? What is going on? Is this supposed to be serious? Is this supposed to be a joke? What's going on? What the fuck? Green lightning? Green storm? Who's that creepy guy? Why do you move him over? Like, uh, so much that going on in my head. <laughs> That from that point on, I was like, I guess it t- it took me like an hour in this movie to be like, what is this movie trying to be? And by the time I figured it out, they were underground. And from that moment on, I enjoyed it. But it, like half the movie, I'm sitting there going like, is this movie on purpose bad or really bad? And I wasn't sure. And I think I, I like I almost wish they jumped, they cut all that part out. Like to me, if you cut that whole sequence out, the movie's better. So what are you gonna give it? I'll give it three stars out of five. Wow. I want to say two and a half, but I think now that I get it, yeah, I, like I said, it, it's a better film, but three. Now that you read all that stuff? Yeah. You had to read all that stuff? If I, if I Let me tell you this. The, we're recording this a day after we watched it. If we had turned on the microphones immediately after that film, I would have been like, what the fuck did we just watch? That was my gut reaction. Really? My gut reaction was, that was kind of a funny movie. End of review. <laughs> 
you know and so i can and maybe i'm maybe i'm what carpenter doesn't like about hollywood i don't know i i guess and again i think it's because my expectation going in was different like i said in expectations i was anticipating an 80s or 90s schwarzenegger dumb action film and instead i got like a a commentary on like dumb action films yes <laughs> and I'm, I'm in retrospect after learning that i'm like it's good but yeah but I, I don't understand how you didn't see that yesterday i i guess i did but it was a part of me that was that was wondering because carpenter's films aren't like that so there was a part of me that was like did he try to make a martial arts film and fail okay you know what i mean because he's so good when he's good like you haven't seen a lot of carpenter films so when he's good He's good. And They Live is like B-rate horror, but he's got he, he creates such gritty realism and like not realism, but like gritty movies that I'm watching is going, Oh, Carpenter feels out of place. It feels like he's got the wrong shoes on. Like he just doesn't feel right and I didn't know you were such a carpenter nerd. I'm not a carpenter nerd, but You I, sure sound like one. But I know every director has a style and, and type of movie they make. You know? Like like Scorsese. Yeah. You know, like, he makes different type of films, but when he does them, they, they're, they're, they're I say they're good because it makes me sound like this film wasn't good. But they like, still feel like Scorsese. Yes. Like, so for me, it would be like Wes Anderson, like, making, like, a Chris Nolan film but, or something like but that. But if Wes Anderson then made a good Chris Nolan film, this felt like John Carpenter was trying to make an action blockbuster and failed. Yeah. And it, like I said, then about halfway through, I, I, I started to click. But there was a part of me that didn't want to almost believe that. I just, I was never quite sure that I was right about what I thought, I guess. Okay. So. Whoa. Yeah. I was not expecting you to be taken on this ride for this review. But uh, yeah, three stars for me as well. <laughs> I don't know. I know I'm probably overanalyzing it, but I got, <laughs> I guess, remember how in season one there were a couple times that you were like, I wish you had told me some of this backstory before we went into the movie. Like, that's kind of what I wish had happened here. I wish yeah. I had gone in this movie with somebody telling me, oh, no, it's a total, like, wacky joke fest. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. okay. Because I did laugh, right? I don't laugh at a lot of movies. Yeah, you laughed a few times. Well, you did your, like, <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. You laughed, you laughed louder at Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. but Yeah. And this movie was rewritten, like, a bajillion times. Oh, and really? you can tell, yeah. I mean, the original script was supposed to be, like, an 1880s Western. So, and the dialogue is a little old Hollywood. So that's what I was confused about. Like, because Kim Cattrall's lines are very, like, they seem like they're supposed to be serious, but you can't tell, is she that no, bad? You No. First of all, she's not that bad, and you know that she's not that bad. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's it had to be, like... She her character was supposed to just be fucking ridiculous. Not only that, but her name was Gracie Law. Like, how did that not tip Gracie you off from the very the beginning? No, they were right. making her like a like gumshoe lawyer. Well, like, I, who, who, our boy there, like Taki Wati Watiti Taika Watiti. Yeah. So this is like a huge influence for Thor Ragnarok, which makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> like he takes an MCU movie and did this to an MCU universe. You know, like. By the way, they're talking about remaking this. Really? With who? The Rock. Of course. In 2015, he like brought it up like he would love to do a remake of this with him in that role, which I actually think he would like do a great job of. Yeah. Three stars. <laughs> Need to watch it again. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening. 
Wow. <laughs> no, ser no, seriously, guys. Thank you. Uh, please take a minute to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. This helps us out so much. Um, Smash the subscribe button. Please. Please. Um, this was <laughs> Why are you singing? I don't know. This is the second of our listener recommendations. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. I think we got an email somewhere. Slide into our DMs. Um, yeah. You can find us on Twitter at KidGoesDownPod, Instagram at AfterTheKidGoesDown, and we're both on Letterboxd under Nicole underscore ATKGD and Matt underscore ATKGD. We post everything we review there, and I've got like a ton of movie lists too, so follow us. After the Kid Goes Down is brought to you by Matt and Nicole, research by Ariana Gracia, music and editing by Kate Falconer. Produced by Matt Robinson and Nicole Robinson, associate producer Kate Falconer. Thank you.